Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. What a difference a year can make. Through three games this season, the Green Bay Packers have racked up 122 points. That's 40.6 points per game. Last year, the Packers didn't score 122 points until the sixth game of the season. Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and joining me as usual is Rob Reichel of Forbes.com and Conley Media. And I should add, the unofficial world record holder for most books written about the Packers with eight. <laughs> very, very unofficial, Gary. Very unofficial. I, I'm sure I'm somebody... I'm not sure you found that stat, but we'll, we'll go with it. You know, I'm sure there's some guy in Germany that I saw last summer saying, hey, I wrote nine, so... <laughs> there you go, right. Anyways, so how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm uh, still recovering from the uh, presidential debates. I think it's going to take me a few days, weeks, months maybe years to recover from that one. Yeah, I think we all became dumber last night if we tuned in for more than about 10 or 12 minutes, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. Good God almighty. Yeah, <laughs> it was brutal. Did you ever envision the Packers getting off to this kind of a torrid start? You know, Gary, I thought they'd be better on offense, even though they didn't really address wide receiver. I thought continuity in year two and just everybody having that extra time in LaFleur's offense was going to pay off. I think what you're seeing, and and here's my interpretation of it, Gary, I, I really think Aaron Rodgers knew the offense inside and out last year. A lot of the guys around him maybe didn't or didn't to the, the d- degree and the level that they needed to put up uh, big-time numbers like they've done so far this season with Rodgers. Obviously, nobody wanted this pandemic. Obviously, Nobody wanted an offseason that was largely canceled, Gary. But in retrospect here, some of the Zoom meetings, I think, some of the virtual learning that these guys had to do on some levels has been a benefit. We're we're talking about 24-year-old guys across the board on average, really, Gary, Mm -hmm. with four-second attention spans that when they're sitting in a meeting with all Rob, that's two more than mine. (laughs) Yeah, and ours ours gets less and less every year, Gary. Right. (laughs) But if they – we know they don't have a great attention span. And if they're sitting in meetings, Gary, with offensive coordinators and positional coaches and things like that, I I think their minds drift. When all this stuff was sent to them over the offseason in in a virtual manner, videos were sent by positional coaches – these guys who might learn a little bit different these days than how you and I would have learned 20, 30, 40 years ago, Gary, they could go back and hit the rewind button three, four, five times. They, they could send a text, pause some of Lafleur's plays that they were in the middle of learning and then come back to them later on. I think this style of learning, we'll see moving forward. I, I, don't, I don't think this is going to be the way everybody does it in the future, but, but I think there were some real positives to it in terms of some of these young guys grasping what it is they were supposed to learn and come back, Gary. And you've seen it with a lot of these, these people, the Tanyans. Lazard is much better. MVS has been better. Aaron Jones couldn't have gotten much better, but, but he probably is 10, 10% better. And obviously it's paying off with these huge numbers that Rodgers is putting up. So, Gary, again, I thought they'd be better. I, I think they were only 
I don't know what, 19 points a game or something like that through three weeks a year ago. They've more than doubled it to start this year. They're up over 40. But, you know, I thought they might score in the mid to high 20s. Certainly not 40, Gary. And we'll get into it later on, but they should score 40 again Monday night when the worst scoring defense in football comes to Lambeau Field. Oh, you're absolutely right. I expected Aaron Rodgers to have a good season, if not a great season, simply being motivated by the fact that the Packers went out and drafted uh, Love. And I thought that might take his game to uh, another level if that's possible. But, I mean, you you look at the numbers, Rob. He's got nine touchdown passes that ranks third in the NFL. Uh, Our guy, Russell Wilson, has 14. You know how many touchdowns that would be over the course of this season? It's got to be like 70-some. Yeah, so that'd be 74.7, Gary. (laughs) Quick math. That's crazy. That is crazy. I don't know. Crazy. Hey, I'm I'm the biggest Russell Wilson fan in the world as a UW grad myself. I think he's been underrated for years, and people are finally realizing he's probably – flip a coin, I guess, between him and Mahomes. But I'd give Russell a slight nod right now. Russell's probably the best player on the planet. Yeah. You know, uh, he's got 14 touchdown passes, as I said. You know who's second? This kind of surprised me. I'm going to guess Josh Allen. <laughs> That's why you're on this podcast. Ten, I don't even have the numbers ten, and stats in front of me. I'm a fantasy I, geek, though, Gary, and he's been killing me. That's the only reason I. Uh, <laughs> that's the only reason I guessed that because he seems to crop up and get me in a league every week. So. Oh, exactly. So Rogers is tied with Patrick Mahomes. Heard of that guy? Just think of this, though. The four top guys in, in touchdowns passes. Wilson, Allen, Rodgers, and Mahomes have combined for 42 touchdowns. And get this, two interceptions. That's unbelievable. That's that's incredible productivity. You know, the other thing, too, is I I thought Rodgers' completion percentage would be a little higher. He's at 67%. And if you look at Rivers, do you believe Phillip Rivers? 78% of his completions uh, this year. Gary, I looked the other day. There are 15 quarterbacks in the league right now, starters with a with a passer rating over a hundred. Is that right? Ago, fifteen. Yeah. Do you remember a generation ago, Gary? I mean, if you hit a hundred, it was you know a Steve Young or a Favre or an Aikman. It was considered one of the greatest years of all time. We have half the league now with quarterback ratings, and not ESPN's goofy thing. You know, I'm talking the, yeah. the, the traditional yeah. statistic, the, the the passer rating of up over a hundred. Um, of half the league it just it shows you number one how good the quarterback play has gotten but then number two just everything really Gary in the last 25 years is every rule and everything the league has put in has been for the offense and these guys are so good now they're taking full advantage of it Um, I'll go to a couple more Rodgers numbers you know his yards per attempt Gary are 8.4 yes get a I mean which which is terrific Get, get a load of this his last five years here's what his yards per attempt were 6.7, 7.3, 7.0, 7.4, 6.7, mm-hmm. 7.3, 7.0, 7.4, and 7. So really? really? 7, yes. And now he's up to 8.4. So he's about 20% higher than he's been in the past. And then you take you, you look at his passer rating of, I think he's 121 right now, which is second in his career to that, I think he was 122.5 in his MVP year of 11. And, that, and he does that Sunday night, right, without – probably a top five receiver in football. And he, he turns Lazard into a top 10 guy in the league for a night. It's remarkable what he's doing. It's really remarkable. Just quarterback play across the league. But the thing is, Gary, if you don't have one of those top guys, like you just listed there, you're probably not going to be playing into late January. And fortunately for the Packers, they have one. 
I touched on the fact that they drafted Love and the fact that he's obviously even more familiar with uh, Matt LaFleur's playbook. What, what's your take? What, what other reasons do you think are behind Rodgers' elevated play? I think it's multi-dimensional. I, I think the head coach is fantastically creative versus you know, what Mike McCarthy was near the end. Mike McCarthy banked on these guys to win one-on-one matchups. Um, and for the most part, they did all those years, Gary. Nelson, Jennings, Driver, Jones, Cobb, et cetera, Finley. I mean, he had weapons back in the early you know, 2010s that were just unmatched in football. I mean, Rodgers had weapons to throw to. They don't have that right now. Matt LaFleur is scheming so many of these guys open. I, I think nine catches were to the tight ends the other night against the Saints. Gary, seven came on bootlegs. They're running so much motion and bunch formations. Mm-hmm. And you saw in week one some of the some of the stuff that was incorporated in Minnesota with the jet sweep type things that almost looked like Badger football. Matt LaFleur has been so unbelievably creative, and they're getting matchups, and they're getting guys just really wide open. I mean, they're – Aaron Rodgers referred to it, I think, last week as college wide open. Um, the NFL wide open, you're, you know, you, you hope your receiver gets a yard or two of separation. In college, you look and some of these guys are running 10 yards behind defensive players. You have that right now in Green Bay. Some of this matchup and scheme stuff that Lafleur is running is getting these guys so remarkably wide open that they're really easy throws for Rodgers. You know, number two, he's taking what the defense is giving him for the most part. He's getting rid of the ball quick. I know he held the ball a couple times last week on some of those moonshots to Lazard, the 70-yarder the and the 50-yarder. But for the most part, he's moving quickly in this offense. He's getting that ball out of his hands, certainly not to the Drew Brees level of under two, but he's, he's at two and a half, 2.7 seconds getting rid of the football, which he hasn't done in, in recent years. And then number three, he, he's got a top five run game in the National Football League. And so now if you're an opposing defensive coordinator and you're sitting here on a Wednesday when we're taping this podcast, Gary, and you're looking at a way to slow down the offense, you're scratching your head saying, what am I doing first here, right? Am I taking away Aaron Jones and making Rodgers one-dimensional? Am I trying to slow down Rodgers and know that Jones is then probably going to gash me for a buck and a half? I mean, and the offensive line has been terrific. So, I mean, Rodgers has obviously been outstanding, Gary, but the people around him have been really good too. And I I think when you incorporate all that and add add it all up, that's why you're averaging 40 points a game over in Green Bay. You know, the uh, offenses are so creative now compared to even like 5, 10, 15 year, years ago, much less when Lombardi was ruling the roost in Green Bay and I had probably, what, 15 plays in their playbook. It, it's mind-boggling. It's almost like I call it playground football. You get in the huddle and say, Bobby, you go down five yards, cut across the middle. John, you run to the uh, tree, turn around, run around the tree, <laughs> and then we'll hit you on a curl pattern or something. But the other night, I watched the Kansas City Chiefs, who, if they're not the most creative team in the NFL, or they're, they're right up there. But they ran this play, Rob, where they, had, they would have like a running back in the slot. He would go in motion behind the quarterback, and then he would circle back again. And on three occasions – they ran this type of play and nothing happened. And I, I, I just don't get it. They're, they're trying to throw the defense, of ball, defense off, but it made absolutely no sense to me. But it's like, I don't know what comes next. You know what I really miss though, Rob? And I haven't seen this in a long time, especially in Green Bay, the halfback option. Remember that play? 
Yeah, you're not going to see it this year either, Gary. <laughs> I, I think that plays in mothballs for a reason. Okay, do you think they'll run anything really bizarre? I mean, can you see LaFleur really, really becoming, you know, crazy and, and trying something, like, ridiculous? I'll just tell you what, Gary. I mean, a guy like Rodgers, who quietly was begging for more creativity just more thinking outside the box when it came to play calling and, and just offensive scheme, the latter part of the McCarthy years. I think Rogers right now is a pig in slop, Gary. He's so happy. And <laughs> he, he would watch it. You remember a couple of years ago when the Rams and the chiefs played on a Monday night game. And I think it was like 54, 51 or something. Right. Like right. That. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a hundred some odd points those teams put up. And I, I remember Rogers quietly, you know, then the next week talking, on and on about, you know, just how he'd love to get some of that stuff incorporated into Green Bay. This was 17-18 range when McCarthy was about done. They, they, they just didn't do anything like that back then. And I think LaFleur bringing in this, you know, this, this playbook that these two are now completely in sync with that has so much creativity versus what Mike McCarthy ever ran in Green Bay. I don't think LaFleur is going to get crazy because I, I think in some ways – this is already crazy for some of the people who lived under the Mike McCarthy era. Mm-hmm. Um, that all, Any Packer fan ever. We've never seen anything like this. Absolutely. You know, all these bunch formations, like we talked about jet sweep stuff, motion, all the, all this action that, that they have going on pre-snap. I'm sure it's rejuvenated Rogers on a lot of levels, just the creativity that Lafleur was able to bring again to, I think a lot of people over there already, Gary, that this is already semi crazy. Um, I don't, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot more of, in terms of outside the box stuff, but you never know. Matt LaFleur is a remarkably bright guy when it comes to offensive game planning. He's sharp as heck, Gary. He's, he's surprising me quite a bit in terms of, you know, what, what he's brought to the party right now in green Bay. We're, we're talking about a guy who's 16 and three, I believe in the regular mm-hmm. season, right. As a, yeah. as a head coach and 17 and four overall, that was, that was a team that was, was coming off back-to-back losing seasons and, I mean, let's be honest, the roster wasn't great by any means. And, and you could still argue it's, it's not a great roster. So they're finding ways to win, though, Gary. And, and it, the way things are shaping up, they're going to put themselves in a position to play home games in January if we, st- if we still have football going on. Okay, I got an, uh, another play proposal here. And it, w- <laughs> it, w- it would be for Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know if you'd like to do this or not, but the New England Patriots have done this on several occasions in the last couple of years where Brady gets the ball hands off right to the halfback. And then he circles out of the backfield and goes down the sideline and gets the pass, right? Tom Brady, who runs faster than nobody is suddenly a receiver, a guy that's in his, at the time was in his late thirties, now in his early forties. Could you ever see the Packers doing that with Rogers? I guess anything's possible, Gary. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a fan of all that trickery and gadget kind of stuff. I, I'm not a Taysom Hill guy, for example, in, in New right. Orleans. Right. I, I know a lot was made last week about the Packers losing him, the numbers and things like that he had put up in New Orleans. Gary, his, his career passer rating is 46.6. I mean, he's, he's got a thousand <laughs> yards bad, huh? total offense. In, yeah. in all these years he's been in New Orleans. I mean, that yeah. average is out to, what, 250, 300 a year. I think he's been there four seasons, right? I mean, whoop-de-doo, right, at the, at the end of the day. Why, if you're New Orleans, do you take the ball 
out of Drew Brees' hands. Why, if you were Green Bay and Hill was still in town, would have you ever taken the ball out of Rodgers' hands and let somebody else throw it, right? You wouldn't probably. You need a, and if you did, you'd have a pretty upset quarterback. So my own personal feeling, Gary, is I, I think all that trickery is, is kind of nonsense. Uh, for the most part, just go out and beat somebody if you think you're better than them. And, and right now, the way the Packers are playing football, Gary, they, they probably are just better than people. Well, you know, the, the reason I bring it up is we all know Tom Brady is not an athlete. I mean, it, it, it's pretty obvious. I mean, the guy may be the most cerebral quarterback ever, but when it comes to athleticism, he ranks right down there with the worst. Going back to Rodgers, I think he fashions himself or, or believes that he is an athlete, right? I mean, you see him run without a problem on, on a lot of occasions. I wonder if that would appeal to him, if he would be willing to – hey, I mean, that's a dangerous play, too. I mean, you, you right. throw your, your quarterback out there in, in no man's land. Anything. You know where you run that, Gary? You, you run it like the Eagles did in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, right, yes. when, they, yes. when they had that gadget play with Nick Foles when they needed a two-point conversion. You run it at a time like that. To me, you don't run it in whatever, you know, week six when you're playing Tampa Bay or, you know, what have you and you run the risk of getting your quarterback crushed out there if he if a safety reads it properly, right? And Rodgers makes the catch, and then he's he's laid out by a D-back or something like that. I I would save that trickery for the biggest moments maybe of, of the year if, if it's really a play you like like and you trust. You are right, though. I mean, Rodgers does fancy himself an athlete. I, I think it was a 4-7-1 coming out of Cal, which is a solid time for, for a quarterback. Very he's, good time. Yeah. He, yeah he, he, he's always prided himself as a three sport guy, right? He, he was a baseball pitcher in high school. He, he wasn't a bad, you know, guard slash forward in basketball. And a lot of scouts knocked him on his athleticism coming out. And he, uh, he, he remembered that. And he, he took a lot of pride in the fact that he thought he was a better athlete than other people did. Certainly, you know, a lot of people questioned his athleticism, Gary, when he, when he wound up at the Juco, so mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, a play like that might appeal to him on some levels, but, but again, I'm not sure I'd run it in the middle of the season and, and Rogers gets crushed. And now next week you're looking to play in Tim Boyle. You know what, Rob, I, I came up with this idea during the bye week when the Packers obviously aren't playing, we're going to come up with three plays that Matt LaFleur should try. You come up with three, I'll come up with three, and who knows, maybe some of our listeners can uh, chime in and suggest <laughs> plays as well. The other thing I wanted to talk about the Packard offense is the wide receiving core. To me, it is mediocre at best, especially when Devontae Adams is out. I mean, what happened last week was amazing, but can they sustain that amazing, st amazing play? I doubt it. What's your take on the wide receiver core? Well, again, a lot of this, I think, comes back to scheme and play calling and just design pre-snap in terms yes. of getting guys open. Lazard's a four-six-two guy, Gary, so he, he obviously he, does, he doesn't run great. But somehow he finds himself behind the defense twice in that game, right? I, I don't know if a guy like Marshawn Lattimore just doesn't respect his deep speed and, and that's all Lazard sneaks behind him for – you know, I think that was the first catch that he had for, for 48. And then he had the 72-yarder in the second half. Let, let's be honest. On, on most teams, Lazard's probably a three. But, Gary, there, there's a lot he does that is very underrated, and, and he does it extremely well. He's an outstanding blocker. His hands are, are, for the most part, terrific. I know he had a drop the other night. Smart as a whip, knows how to get open, uses that 6'5 frame, and he's about two and a quarter 
to, to win some of those 50-50 balls. Rodgers trusts him like crazy. He developed a chemistry with Rodgers right out of the shoot last year. When you think about it, Gary, that, that's pretty rare for a, for a new guy in town who was undrafted and then cut when the Packers set their initial 53 back in, in 2019. He somehow was able to develop a chemistry with Rodgers. He's working his way into the discussion of being a real legitimate number two. Now, do you want to probably upgrade that position down the road? Probably. I mean, the Saints steered all their coverage the other night to MVS, and Len Lazar took full advantage of it, Gary. With, I think they thought MVS was going to be the trickier matchup of the two just because he runs under 4-4 and he runs so well. Mm-hmm. And so they largely took him away, and Lazard, made, Lazard won. I mean, Lazard beat him and, and made him pay for it. Um, after that, you're right. There, there's nothing. There, there's not much. And I think the trading deadline, Gary, is October 29. I don't know if they can pull anything off or would even try to here in the next you know, four weeks or so, which is, which is about what they'd have to go ahead and do something like that. But, I mean, they're, they're going to be in a position, Gary, where, where if they kind of hold serve and, and things go, I think, the way we anticipate them to, they'll be – They'll be five and one, six and one, right around that time. I, I, I mean, they're they're going to be sitting in. You're prime actually position. believing they're going to lose, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the Miami Dolphins of yeah, seventy-two are safe. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll see. Right. I mean, whatever. We're all surprised by this start. We'll see how long they can take it. But where I was going with that, Gary, is they'll be in a position. I think that that they're going to want to be active at the trading deadline, and if they think they're a piece or two away from beating San Francisco this year, holding off a Seattle. Maybe Tampa Bay becomes the hot team in the NFC South. We'll see, Gary. But just Mm -hmm. finding a way to make sure they they stay ahead or beat a Tampa Bay. If I'm Brian Gutekunst, and I know I just don't have that many years left of Rodgers and things are breaking well for me at this particular point in time, I go out for sure and I I add one more piece in the passing game and I get myself one more run stuff, run stuffer, run stopper, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And I try to take that group then into January and win a championship, Gary, because I mean, that that's what this is all about. And right now we, we look back at Favre and Rogers, three decades of unbelievable quarterback play hall of fame quarterbacks. And I think the average Packer fan in the state, Gary, just says two championships isn't enough. They don't remember 15 <laughs> and one in 2011, right? They, they don't remember the surprising trip to the NFC championship in 07. Instead, they remember the home loss to the Giants and Favre going out on that interception. Uh, you remember the 2014 game against the Seahawks, right? You, you don't remember as much the 96 Super Bowl championship in the 2010. And if, if you're good at Kunst and you know time is ticking on Rodgers in his career, you go get Matt LaFleur a couple more pieces here in about a month, Gary, and try to win a title with it. All right. We've been uh, tossing around a bunch of different stats today. Here's one more for you. Compliments of Jerry Tapp, who uh, writes for Wolfel's Press Box. There have been 11 games, Rob, in which Lazard has caught three passes or more, okay? Okay. What do you think the Packers' record is? Well, he's three for three, I want to say, this year, Gary. Out of the uh, 11. So that'd be three and oh, I'm, I'm going to guess 10 and one. Oh my God. You're on fire today. You are on fire. <laughs> I'm actually surprised a lot. I thought it was a trick question. I thought they'd be 11 and who, yeah. beat, who beat them, Gary? Let me, let, hold on a second. I'll call Jerry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll look it up after. That is kind of interesting though. I mean, uh, you know, you wouldn't think, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of factors that go into that 10 and one record, but. I wrote about him the other day, Gary, and, and people kind of forget this, but. 
think about this. He only played 21 snaps in the first five games last season. I'm wow. four snaps a game, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's thrust in in week six in that Lions game when, when they didn't have Devontae and receivers are going down and, you know, Rodgers throws them all sorts of – gives them all sorts of opportunities in that fourth quarter and he makes four catches and scores a touchdown in the fourth quarter. I mean, Gary, the, the, this was a guy nobody knew a year ago at this time. 13 months ago he had been released by the Packers and now we're talking about him as a legitimate number two wide receiver in the National Football League. I mean, it really is a remarkable race to Rich's story. And, and like you pointed out, it seems when he has success, the offense has success, and then the Packers have success. Precisely. You know, uh, my mother used to tell me all the time, Rob, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. So let's pass on the Packers defense, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we really want to do that, do we, Gary? Oh, man. I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, as encouraging – as the Packers offense has been, I, I'm still very discouraged about that defense. I mean, you know, we, the last time we saw him play last year, the 49ers blew him off the map uh, with 280 yards rushing. And to me, that rushing game is still, you know, a, a major concern. They switched their two inside linebackers. And uh, what do you think of that? Well, Gary, just, just more macro there too. And I'll go to linebackers in a second. I mean, if history just shows us if you can't play a modicum of defense, if you're at mm-hmm. least not in the top half and respectable on defense, you're not winning a championship. You, you know, you're not winning a Super Bowl. Think, think of that uh, Denver team. What was that? Six, seven years ago, that Peyton Manning and that group, they scored over 600 points and they blew everybody out through the course of the year in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to the Super Bowl and Seattle beats them 43 to eight. Right. I mean, right. you eventually, hit a defense and, and Green Bay's offense like we've touched on here is terrific at 40 points a game but let, let's even say somehow Gary they maintained a pace where they scored 35 a game through the course of the year you will hit a defense at some point in time that's going to limit your offense to 20 or less mm-hmm. and if that's San Francisco this year and in the NFC if, it, if it's somebody else because the 49ers still play outstanding defense I know they're beat to nonsense but to me they, they still play terrific defense and and they're going to be probably the greatest challenge moving forward them in Seattle. And, and if your defense on the flip side, Gary, can't stop anybody, which is where Green Bay's has been the first three games of the year, allowing 28 points a game and still can't stop the run and, um, you know, total yards per game aren't great. If you can't play even close to winning defense, you know, your luck's going to run out at some point in time. You can't score. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more, Rob. You got to be at least respectable, right? Right. History just shows you're not going to score 40 a game in the playoffs. Eventually you're going to hit a top five defense and they're going to hold you to two thirds or half of your scoring total. So, I mean, Gary, I still think there's parts on this defense that, that are, you, you can win with that. I, I think three outside linebackers give you a, an outstanding group right there. The secondary has been a huge disappointment, I think, to start the year. They have to pick it up, Gary, and, and play a lot better. The, the one thing, and we've harped on it on this podcast from the start that, I don't see a lot of solutions for it. I don't see a lot of ways just looking at the way the roster is currently constructed of them fixing is the run defense. You know, I, I think they, they're 14th right now, Gary, I want to say in y- rushing yards allowed per game. Mm-hmm. But the key stat with that is so, I, I mean, on paper that doesn't look terrible, but, but the key number to look at Gary is they're, they're giving up five and a half yards per rush. What has exactly. happened in a couple of these football games is the lions, for example, the Vikings in week one, have had to abandon the run 
and start chucking the ball over the, all over the field to try to catch up to Green Bay. Gary, at some point in the playoffs, they're going to get down in a game or it's going to be close all the way through. And if that's Seattle and Carson, you know, if that's San Francisco and whoever's running the ball for them again, they're going to hammer the ball at Green Bay 40-plus times. I mean, that's, it's, it's the path to beating these Packers. Keep the ball 35 minutes, keep it away from Rodgers, and run the ball for six yards a carry or as the 49ers did last year in the playoffs, almost eight. So, I, You know, Rob, I, I can't believe that more teams didn't piggyback off of what the 49ers did to the Packers. I, I thought the Vikings would for sure, uh, especially with Delvin Cook and, yep. you know, even New Orleans. I mean, they, they used Kamara, you know, primarily out of the backfield. But to me, that, that, that was the template for teams playing the Packers. I don't think that's changed, Gary. I, I think the key – for Green Bay in some of these games that they've had on this 3-0 and start is they've gotten two to three score leads in some of these games. Minnesota had to go away from Cook, and then Cousins mm-hmm. started okay. whipping the ball all over the field. The Lions, for example, Gary, in the first half of that Week 2 game, ran the ball 16 times for 80 yards, so 5.0 per carry, right? right? In the second half, they only ran the ball for nine yards. Why? Because the Packers scored going into halftime, the Packers scored coming out of halftime, and they started pulling away. And Detroit had to put the ball in Matt Stafford's hands instead of that trio of running backs that was absolutely punishing Green Bay, Gary, to start that game. So if you're somebody you know, coming up on the schedule, you just want to hang around with Green Bay for the better part of four quarters. Don't get down 10 to 17 points where you have to become one-dimensional, almost like the Ravens in that Chiefs game the other night, Gary. I mean, that, their strength without question, right, is, is to run the ball with Ingram, Ingram and Dobbins and, and let Lamar try to beat you with his feet sometimes. Mm-hmm. If they get down 10 to 14 points, you saw that. Jackson can't bring him back with his arm. Same thing with some of these teams Green Bay is playing right now. They'd love to run the ball, Gary, 40 times a game against the Packers, but if they get down and now time becomes an issue, they've got to try to beat you by air instead of by ground. You know, uh, Brian Gutekunst decided that Blake Martinez and Goodson weren't good enough, obviously decided to let them move on. And he brings in Kirksey, and then he also brings in Barnes, which, you know, looks like a godsend right now for a free agent. But is that inside linebacking core really any better than it was last season? I wrote this all off season, Gary. They're probably slightly better with Kirksey versus Martinez if Kirksey stays on the field. Yeah, and, and that's a huge, couple. that's huge. You can't. Yep, that's the problem. He can't, right? And yeah. I think it was a total of nine games the last two years he was in Cleveland. Cleveland said enough and moved on from him. They, they were tired of seeing him in the hot tub instead of on the football field. If he's available, he, he runs much better than Martinez did. He can cover. He's, he's been a solid enough tackler. The thing, Gary, I mean, much like A.J. Hawk, Blake Martinez just didn't miss football games. Neither did A.J. Hawk. They were very similar players. Um, they, they both had their limitations. Speed was one of them. Didn't make enough big plays. Was kind of the cry from, from their critics. But they were there every single Sunday. They were reliable. You'd look at the stat sheet. They had 10 tackles. Some of them were five, six, seven, eight yards downfield, which they got banged on for. I, I get it. But they wore the defensive headset. They got everybody aligned. They were really smart football players. And Blake Martinez was as smart as it got, Gary, in terms of keeping that defense mm-hmm. aligned and, and running the show. Um, he, he was going to make his 10 to 12 tackles a game. Was he going to turn over the ball a whole lot? 
probably not. He wasn't going to make a lot of impact plays and, and get a pick or force a fumble or things like that. Kirksey probably has more of that ability, Gary. But again, if he's only going to give you eight or nine games, what's the point? And, and I, I'll tell you what, I, I thought that was a huge gamble on Brian Gutekunst's part. Totally. Uh, you know, you, I mean, it wasn't only last season. It was the season before. And, I mean, if, if you look at the NFL, guys that are usually hurt, stay hurt. I, I think it was just a very, very questionable move. You don't start playing more snaps, Gary, as you get closer to 30, do you? Correct. Correct. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, okay, let's say hypothetically if Kirksey, you know, has in injuries all year, what does that mean? not only to the Packers' defense, but to the Packers. Well, it's tricky. I mean, he didn't come off the field the first couple of games, Gary. He's, mm-hmm. he's going to be 100% a snap guy in a perfect world, in a utopian world here for Mike Pettin. He's, he's just going to stay on the field. Now that becomes somebody else. That's second inside linebacker spot, whether it's Barnes or – you know, Kamal Martin, when he comes back from injury here, and I think he'll give him a little bit of a lift in a few weeks, Gary, um, because I think he would have been the starter at that spot. That, that second inside linebacker job isn't quite as critical. They probably only asked that guy to play about 25% of the snaps because mm-hmm. they're in nickel and dime so much. But you do need that kind of thoroughbred, which, which they want, um, you know, they want Kirksey to be that guy. If he goes down, I mean, there, there were some flashes the other night from Ty Summers. Uh, who, who took the who took the headset and took the lead role and and went to that spot and but he has limitations too. You saw him miss some tackles in space, Gary. He's a really smart kid though. He'll probably have to fill in for the time being. Martin's not going to be ready for a few weeks in terms of coming off the IR and and things like that. So yeah, even with Kirksey, it was probably one of the thinner spots on the team. And now if he's going to be out for any extended amount of time and he's not going to play, it doesn't look like for sure against Atlanta. They'll get, they obviously then have the bye week, and they'll probably try to get him right then for, for week six moving forward. But if he goes down again, Gary, and he misses some time, and you don't have him in your bigger games of the year, then yes, Brian Gutekunst absolutely should get lit up for that because, of, like you said, it was a huge gamble back when they signed him in March just based on his recent injury history. And he, and he, he didn't give himself a whole lot of – you know, a, a lot of other options in the draft itself. I mean, he took Martin in the fifth round, but a guy like Patrick Queen, who you watched the other night, uh, in game, who's who's just a, a terrific football player. What Rob, a, you beat me to the punch. Unbelievable fit in in Green Bay, and you know, instead he obviously takes the quarterback and in, in love, and and maybe that pays off down the road, Gary, and and we all forget who Patrick Queen was and and things like that. But but I'll tell you what, for 2020, boy, that would have been a nice piece to the defense. Oh, I can agree with you more. You know, the Baltimore Ravens have, in my opinion, one of the better defenses in the NFL, right? Guess who leads them in tackles? Yeah, I'm guessing it's Queen, right? <laughs> it's Queen, unless something happened. Yeah, they, they, the they have a remarkable front office, too, in terms of finding people every single year. And much like Pittsburgh and New England, just to, to kind of plug in and, and reload some of these spots. Yeah, that's that, that, that's an unbelievable front office, and, and it's why they win, you know, 10, 12 games every single season, it seems like. Okay, let's do some uh, quick hits and uh, go around the NFC North. Uh, just a, a sentence or two on each of these teams, the Vikings. Okay. Gary, you should know me well enough by now. A sentence or two is tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those 80-word sentences. <laughs> comma, after comma, after comma. <laughs> okay. 
thoughts on the Vikings? Lots of trouble. Um, they had to have that one, I think, last week. They let it slip away. I didn't buy into the hype at the start of the year, Gary, that they were going to challenge for the division. Too many pieces to replace uh, on the corners and stuff like that. You saw that in week one. They'll get better, Gary, but I, I don't think they're a threat right now inside the division. No. They're, you know how many points they're giving up per game? 34. 34 wow. points by a Mike Zimmer defense. A couple of weeks ago, one of these gambling services put out a list of NFL coaches that could be on the hot seat, right? And uh, Zimmer, I think, was like seventh, sixth, seventh, somewhere in there. And uh, I called my friend uh, Chris Thomason, who covers the Vikings for the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press, and I asked him if there's any chance that Zimmer could be fired this season. And he goes, nope, just one, a one-word response, nope. I, I think that guy's on the hot seat. I, I think if they stumble the rest of the way, I think he could be in, in, in uh, trouble. I, I think that's crazy if he is. He, to me, he's still one of the 10 best coaches in football. Um, you got him that high, huh? Wow. I, I like him a lot, always have. He's a top 10 or 12 guy. Okay. Gary, he'll get that defense fixed. You, you watch. By the end of the season, that defense is going to be pretty good. And I, I, I said at the start of the year, they, just, they had too much turnover and too much uncertainty. They tried to replace six, seven guys from that defense. They were all getting older into their 30s or certainly pushing the 30s. They went with some new young guys. You saw that in week one as Rodgers carved up those young corners. Those young corners are going to turn out to be pretty good. You know, when, when they get Hunter back, they'll be better up front. They made the trade for the kid from Jacksonville. They're going to have outstanding defensive ends again. We know what their linebackers are. They've always been defense first with Zimmer. Mm -hmm. The ceiling's only so high, though. The ceiling's about 10 wins with Cousins. And it's, it's never going to be dramatically more than that. And when the defense slips like it has right now, I mean, Gary, I, I could see them being the kind of team that's four and eight and then wins their last four games or something like that and carry some momentum into, mm -hmm. into next season as these young guys get better. But I, I, had a, I had a feeling they'd take some lumps early with all these parts and pieces they were replacing. But I bet you Zimmer has them right back in contention a year from now to win the division, Gary. All right. We'll see what happens there. You know, one guy I thought could be in the hot seat this year was Nagy in Chicago. And look, look who's 3-0, and the Chicago Bears. Again, a quick hit. <laughs> well, they finally got the right quarterback. I mean, it, it took them a while. And, and again, I, I don't think Foles is, is special by any means. But, mm -hmm. but he's in that you know, range of, let's say, 15 to 22 or something like that, Gary, which is dramatically better than sitting at 30, which is where they were with Trubisky. And the roster top to bottom is pretty good. It's still a top 8 to 10 defense. And if Foles just doesn't turn it over and, and play serviceable football with the people around him, the Cohen loss last week is going to be big. But, Gary, I, I think that's a playoff team, and I think they're going to be in it till about week 14 or 15 with Green Bay to win the division. Okay. Finally, the Lions. Uh, what do you ever say? Now there's a coach that could be fired by the end of the year, right? I mean, I mean, I mean one of these guys is going to get fired, I guarantee it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I was stunned last week, Gary, that they went on the road and, and, and won a game against an Arizona team that I, I think is pretty good. You know what? They're always going to find a way to beat themselves, you know, in, in big moments and big games. You saw it in week one with the Bears. There's, I, I, I know I love the quarterback there, Gary, but again, kind of, kind of like some of these other guys, maybe like, like the, like Prescott in Dallas or Matt Ryan in Atlanta, 
you know, they're all, they're going to keep you in games. They're going to put up big numbers. You're going to score here and there, but at big moments, they always don't deliver. So at best, the Lions are still third in this division, Gary. You know, I, I still think the Packers should have drafted Cephas. <laughs> well, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. Yeah. He, he, he's going to turn out to be, I think a six to seven, eight year pro. I, I agree. Yeah, and whether he'll, he'll never be a star receiver, but I think he right. could be a really good number two and at worst, a, a very good number three. Yep. So, uh, Hey, uh, what, before we wrap it up, we uh, want to touch on the Atlanta Falcons who I think might be the best Owen three team I've seen in a long time. They have played, I think offensively at least really well. They lost to three good teams. They lost to Seattle, 38 to 25. They lost to Dallas, 40 to 39. They lost to, uh, who else did they lose? To? Oh, the Bears. And that was 30 to 26. They lost two of those games by five points. And uh, certainly losing to Seattle isn't a disgrace. I, I think the Packers are going to have a tougher game than a lot of people expect. Well, much like the history of Atlanta Falcon football. I mean, they've taken it to new levels this year, Gary, in terms of blowing leads, though, right? I mean, was, was that right. exactly. and they let it get away. Were, were they up in that Cowboys game, I think, by as many as 24? Certainly 21, I think, in that game, and, and they gave that game back. You know, everyone remembers, you know, the Mike McCarthy watermelon onside kick there at the end, but it, it was mm -hmm. a ton of stuff leading up to that. I mean, I mean, Gary, they, they just don't know how to finish games. And you talk about coaches on the hot seat. I mean, I, I, I'm stunned that Quinn is still there here now going into, into week four. He's, he's, he's got to be on maybe a game or two left before. You know, <laughs> I was going to say, how about week five? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if Green Bay routes them on, on Monday yeah. night, which is somehow say 41-20 or something, does, you know, does he have a job come Monday? I mean, that's got to be number Well, him and the Jets guy, right, have to be – one, two in, in the, in the uh, gambling services, but guesses yeah. in terms of who, who's going to be gone first. I mean, no, I mean, Atlanta plays terrific offense, Gary. Green Bay's going to have, have its hands full on, on the defensive side of the football. I mean, I, uh, what we so how many is, How many points do you think the Packers can put up on them? Because their defense is god-awful. I mean, the Bears put up 30 points on them. Right. As many as they want or need. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think Green Bay certainly hits the average that they've had the first couple of games, Gary, of 40 in that game. I think the Falcons are last right now in the league. You get 36 a game in terms of what they're giving up. And now they, mm -hmm. now they, so you've got the, the number one scoring offense against the, the number 32 scoring defense. I mean, that is, that's about as awful as it gets from a, from a defensive coordinator perspective. I mean, they're, they're giving up 465 yards a game, Gary. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> it, 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 it is definitely a brutal defense. How, how, how bad they've, they've played on that side of the ball, but they're going to score points. Like we, we talked about Matt Ryan's a, a top 10 quarterback, probably. I don't know if Julio's going to play. We'll, we'll see he missed last week. I mean, but, but Boo Ridley is probably even past him as Atlanta's number one wide receiver. Now, I mean, Boo's got four touchdowns and, 350 yards himself through three games. He's a really good young standout wide receiver. If Jones goes, they've got a lot of weapons um, on, on the offensive side of the ball, and we're probably, we, we might see 70 points scored on, on Monday night, Gary. But at the end of the day, Green Bay plays – even though Green Bay's defense has not been particularly good to start the year, they certainly play it better than Atlanta does. They'll get a pick or two along the way. Ryan will give them a ball that they catch. Um, somebody – I think Gurley's done personally, Gary, the running back in Atlanta. I don't think he's got anything left. And 
you know, so I, I don't think Atlanta is one of these teams we talk about. We, we talk about the blueprint to beat Green Bay is, you know, to try to run it 35, 40 times for 180 yards. I don't think Atlanta is that kind of team, Gary, that, that can do that with Gurley and Brian Hill. But I do think they're going to score some points. It, it just won't be enough. I mean, Green Bay is going to win that game 41-27 or something. Rob, fantastic as usual. Uh, thank you very much for your invaluable insight. And uh, next week, I promise I'm going to come up with tougher trivia questions for you. <laughs> oh, those were tough enough. I, well, you I nailed thought, them, though. I, they, they, they obviously weren't tough enough. <laughs> oh, I got to go buy a lottery ticket, Gary. I some, good, some, some pretty lucky guesses right now. I, I usually don't play the lottery, but tonight, tonight might be my day. There you go. So, hey, well, thanks again, and uh, thank you to the listeners. Everybody take care. Thanks. Thanks a lot. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.